Estimate Rocket is proud to sponsor this APC podcast. Chasing down invoices, dealing with difficult customers, answering employee questions, and worrying about the competition undercutting your prices can make it seem that you'll never be able to take a vacation again. When you implement Estimate Rocket, everyone in your business can be on the same page. Jobs run more smoothly, costs are controlled, and every job is more profitable, no matter whether you're in the office or on the beach. Getting started is easy, and with their industry-best painting templates, you can hit the ground running, leaving more time for little Susie and less time battling the competition. Even better, Estimate Rocket offers a 30-day risk-free trial, so there's nothing to lose except all that stress. Visit EstimateRocket.com today to find out how to spend less time dealing with the hassle and more time doing what you love. EstimateRocket.com Welcome to Paint Radio with your host, Emily Howard and Andrew Dwyer. Paint Radio, the APC podcast. Emily, this is, as you know, because you created it, and I take credit for it. This is, I guess, number three in a series of podcasts that we're doing where we talk to contractors of a specific size, just talk about what it is they do, what their day looks like, what their responsibilities look like, what they might like to farm out, and uh, what their future might hold. It's just a great opportunity. Networking is just so important for any business person. That's certainly true in painting contracting. So it's an opportunity for people to listen to similar type businesses and and share in the frustrations and hear maybe some new ideas and maybe push you over to try to implement that solution you've been thinking about. And so we've done one-man shops and we've done five to 10. And today we're doing 10 to 20. Again, talking about what it is you like, what you'd like to get rid of. Emily, I think this is kind of like the paint radio version of Mary Shag Kill. <laughs> Why? You know, what you like, what you don't like. I don't even know what that means. I just saw it on the internet, but uh, we won't go into too much detail, but I know the kids love that game. So, oh gosh. On that note, let us commence. We've got three wonderful contractors joining us from Columbia, Missouri, from AI Painting Plus. We have Lacey and Austin Ilsley. How are you all? Thanks for coming back to the podcast. Great, great to be here. Yes, and you uh, you did our last name right, so good job. Woohoo! Every now and then a blind squirrel finds you. Exactly. That's what they say. <laughs> That's right. Clock is correct twice a day. Uh, <laughs> from Augusta, Georgia, brush strokes, quality painting. We have Ryan Gill. Ryan, welcome to the podcast. Appreciate it, Andrew. Thank you all for having us. And from lovely Schwanksville, Pennsylvania, first place painting. We've got Bill first. How are you, Bill? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, guys. Awesome. So again, you guys all have businesses with about 10 to 20 employees. And so before we dive in talking about what it is you like, Mary Shag Kill, if you would, let's just start with the Ilsleys, just sort of explaining the type of work you do, how you all got started, and I guess crew size. Well, we'll spare the whole how we got started thing okay. um, another day. But <laughs> yeah, currently we have uh, 13 field staff. I do primarily res repaints, light commercial. We've got a full-time sales rep, field supervisor, soon-to-be full-time trainer, and a full-time office slash inside ops manager currently. 
Nice. Ryan, how about you? What does your crew look like and what type of work do you do? So we're primarily new commercial, commercial repaint and then industrial with high performance coatings. And so we've got 10 to uh, 12 employees actually at the moment with the field staff. So we've got two team leads that's pushing an eight field crew. We've got our warehouse manager and quality control manager. Then we've got production manager, our office manager. And our old school does it on paper still blueprint estimator that is just kick ass. So <laughs> it's a uh, good times, man. We're we're stuck in the eighties on our estimating, but we don't miss a thing with it. So it fun times, right? Sweet. It's fascinating just to hear how everybody divvies up their squads, so to speak. Bill, walk us through your lineup. Sure thing. Yes, yeah, so we have fourteen full time painters out in the field. We're uh, we're very similar to AI painting in that we're primarily residential repaint, interior, exterior, light commercial, same on that front. 14 painters, like I said, one full-time estimator named Nick, who is also uh, amazing. And I have a, a full-time office person named Tiffany, also amazing. And we have a new project manager as of this year, um, actually as of the past couple months named Andrew who's just been coming along, really fleshing out his role. I know we'll get into it, but that's one of the things that I've made a concerted effort to want to um, hand off in my business and Andrew stepping up into that role for us. So we'll go back to Bill again. Talk about your day. So it sounds like you're offloading some things. What does your day consist of right now? Sure thing. So, so the one thing I haven't fully offloaded is our, our estimates. My estimator, Nick, does do on a good week, you know, upwards of 20 estimates. And I try to give him all basically, you know, new business that comes through the door. Me personally, I could be doing anywhere from 10 to 15 hours a week of meeting with longtime customers and a repeat customer referral business. But Nick is handling the rest of that. Uh, Mondays for me, I generally spend in the office. I'll do a couple hour meeting with my estimator, a couple hour meeting with my project manager, and then a couple hour meeting with my office manager and just kind of going through the day to day stuff of what's, what's happening in the business. So again, Monday, usually all office work and meetings. And then uh, throughout the week, it's a lot of scheduling, honestly, is, is probably the one main thing that I still do a lot of managing the the production calendar, which jobs are going to go where, on top of doing some business networking, you know, just driving in more business through networking. So those are probably the main things I do on a week, on a day-to-day basis throughout the week. Okay. So is your, are your field people, are they, who are they reporting to? Are they reporting to the project manager? Are they reporting to you? Or is that changing? It's slowly changing. Um, They Mm -hmm. report to the project manager to an extent and then to me on on an extent. So it's it's still we haven't transferred all that duty and responsibility to our project manager yet, but we're slowly getting to that point. Ryan, how about you? What's your day-to-day look like? So Mondays I come in, I'm in the office most mornings about 6:30 in the morning. So that's when I get my time with the teams cuz none of our field staff report to me. They all report to our production manager. And that's something we just recently pulled the Band-Aid off of, was just having a production manager that was still in the field and 
it just muddied where I wanted to be as leading the company because I still had to drop down in the field and handle that. So it's a hard bill. It's a hard road ahead in some cases. So anyway, our field staff all answers to him and then he answers directly to me. So Monday mornings I come in, lead a safety topic, just kind of go through some company updates, different things with the whole entire field staff. Then our production manager gets them out in the field. And then from there, typically my Mondays are spent with my office manager and our estimator. And we're just kind of talking through some stuff. I spend a lot of time actually in local high schools and trade programs working to recruit people and Ooh. and teaching um, different skills and that kind of thing. So I've slowly over the last two years transitioned myself from being in the field and from having my hands in everything. Cause like, I think one of the questions is, you know, what's your biggest challenge right now? Not to jump ahead, but I'm, I'm our company's biggest challenge because I want my hand in everything. <laughs> and so that's what 2022 has been for us is how do we get Ryan out of everything and how do we get Ryan in front of people and, and where he excels? And that's where I excel. So, you know, I'm Wednesday mornings. I'm at Rotary. Tuesday, I'm on call with Breakthrough Academy. Thursdays, I'm at some type of luncheon. And that's how we just keeping in front of these industrial and commercial clients because they love our guys come in. They knock stuff out. They don't have to worry about them. And then they know that myself, the quality control team, or the production manager is always coming by to talk to them, see what their needs are, that kind of stuff. And that's where a lot of my time is. Okay. And that's interesting because it sounds like you've been, you've been working through this transition for a while. And I know just from Mission Vacation and previous podcasts with uh, Lacey and Austin, they've gone through a lot of transition in the last two years too. So let's talk a little bit about Lacey and Austin and what each of your days look like in your business currently. Each of our days look very different. I'll tell you that. <laughs> um, so right now my title currently is production manager and sales manager. So on a given day, I don't actually create the schedule. I don't make the schedule. Our our inside ops office manager does that, but I oversee it. If there are holes in it, I have meetings with her and I plug them or help her plug them. I oversee all estimates that Jacqueline, our sales rep, does before they get sent out. So we have frequent meetings just over you know, sales goals, estimates that need to be sent out, uh, going on through our CRM, picking through unclosed deals, that kind of thing. But there's a lot that I do that's outside of my actual role too. I'm kind of a, I'm still kind of a nut for the craft. So I find myself, uh, back in the field just on my own, you know, just my own desire. I, I there's a lure to it that I just can't escape. And I mean, like last week, we had a little bout of COVID go through the company. I think we had three crew leaders out and one of our field supervisors. So I just went out and I ran a job and I had a really great week and it was just, it was fun. <laughs> um, but I think that's another part of my role. I'm just kind of like chief problem solver, solution finder. Our managers answer to me, but they do a great job of solving most things on their own. But, you know, if there's something that they're having a bit of a challenge with, I'm just there and I don't just step in to solve it for them. Like I, you know, they come ask me, but I'm willing to help them with it. So it's kind of hard to pinpoint what a day looks like for me. I have my roles, but I'm kind of just there as needed. <laughs> you know what okay. I mean? So yeah. Well, you know, we had a, we had a guy a couple of years ago. He's a second generation painter and his dad ran the business for years. And when his dad passed the business on to him, his dad still works there. He does all shop work. Like he loves to paint. And 
I think it's very admirable that you're, you're still getting out there on the field and you still enjoy it and you still like it. And I think that represents a big portion of people out there. But Lacey, how about you? Cause I know your role is definitely way different than Austin's. It is. Yeah. Um, I mean, my daily role, I mean, we're, I'm doing a lot of HR tasks, a lot of marketing. I'm starting to pick up a little bit of office admin roles where I wasn't doing that so much before because Melissa, our office manager, we're transitioning her into that inside ops role that Austin was talking about because that's her flow state and that's where she shines. And so we will be hiring another office person to where I won't have to do that as much. And really just big picture, you know, our strategic planning, IDPs, we probably have like three or four meetings a week with individuals for their individual development plans um, and creating goals for them. And that's kind of most of what I do. <laughs> yeah. Creating our budget. I mean, yeah. Budget. Back, yeah. Back office billing, all the, all the business things. That's not the field. Nice. Interesting. Let's talk about, we'll go in reverse order as we've been doing. Let's talk about what your plans are, where you'd like to move the company, if at all. In the future, maybe you're in your sweet spot. You just want to hold steady. Maybe you want to transition to different types of work. Maybe you want to grow. Maybe you want to reduce a little bit. Uh, yeah, AI so painting plus. What are you hoping to do? This next year, our big goal is to just really focus on our, our systems. I mean, we, we want to grow a little bit this next year, but really diving into any broken systems we might have or get the company running like a well-oiled machine. And then our goal ultimately is for Austin and I to kind of franchise out there. We, in the middle of Missouri, there's a lot of opportunity to franchise even just 45 minutes to an hour away and some other bigger locations. Um, it would be really great to get into. So that's ultimately our goal, but right now trying to. Yeah. Training was a big one that we found at the end of the year and it was affecting our turnover rate. A lot of our new hires weren't feeling like they're getting the training. We call ourselves a training company, but just because you hire people with no experience doesn't make you a training company. So we actually built a training facility inside of our shop that's just got finished last week. And we're promoting one of our uh, field supervisors to head training coordinator. And he's working on a pretty robust training system that we're going to run every apprentice through with him in the shop for two weeks before sending him to the field with all kinds of follow-up and that kind of stuff throughout their growth process. So it's a, a big rock, we would say, in the Nolan world. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, Austin is referring to uh, the lovely Mission Vacation franchise. If you haven't listened to those podcasts, <laughs> absolutely should because they're so instructive and uh, maybe even inspiring. So check those out as well. Ryan, out there in Augusta, Georgia, what are, what are your plans for the future? We're going up to rapid growth next year. So we've kind of been... Mm-hmm. The last couple of years, just kind of staying about the same and we, and working through our systems and stuff. And so we're actually bringing in a, a federal department of labor, a non-union apprenticeship program. We meet in January with a local tech school to sign that to get to start a massive apprenticeship program, um, with them. And so we're going after a, a, a BHAG next year to go after five million. And so for us, that's big because we've been around, around the, you know, we've teetered around the million mark now for a couple of years. And so we're going to get aggressive. I think we've got our training system. Do we have them where we want them? No, but I think we've got our training systems in place well enough. And then 
the presence in the high schools and the local tech community and trade community is really going to help us in the manpower side of things. And so we've got we've got a pretty good staff that's pretty well trained in place that just loves people. Uh, you know, they love loving on people. They love teaching people. And so we haven't gone the route of a trainer yet. So I, I may be reaching out to, to AI to, be, to ask for some tips on that one. But yes, we're getting aggressive. Heck yeah, Ryan, just with the, the vigor with which you describe that, uh, I've got every confidence you're going to hit it. That's awesome. Love it. Bill, how about you in Schwanksville? What's, what's the plan for 2023? We're now in our 10th year of business. We've kind of adopted the model of slow and steady growth. Um, I would say every year we've probably brought on about one to two key employees. And, uh, you know, I'm lucky to have some of the same guys with me since I opened the doors 10 years ago. And for me next year, I want to keep developing my leadership team. Like I said, our estimator has his first full year under his belt and he's kicking butt, you know, so getting him to kick even more butt and continue his training and find more ways to get him in front of more people. And then at the same time with our project manager really help to flesh out his role and increase profitability is, is one of the main things that we're trying to work on in his role. If he can streamline the job sites to a point where it just makes things, you know, start and finish a bit smoother and we can bring in, you know, the profit margins, uh, a couple of percentage points. Um, that's what I'm looking for, you know, in his role. How do we, we move? the ticker up in the more positive. So those are things that I'll be working on, you know, in 2023 with, with my leadership team. So for now, what do you think, what's your biggest challenge at the moment? I know Ryan said he's his biggest challenge, but Bill, what's the big struggle that you think you're going to be hitting for 2023? So I guess like the biggest struggle for us is uh, again, like I've, I've never had a project manager. That's the one thing that I, was always hesitant to hand off and I'm getting there. I'm getting more comfortable with it every day, but I still find myself doing a lot of it. So I want to maybe perhaps have like stronger SOPs around like what his job is and what his duties are. I don't want to say we're winging it, you know, like it's, it's better than winging it. I've definitely, you know, reached out to, you know, other, other professionals around the country as far as what their project managers do. And we've tailored something that I think fits our business and it's working well, but I want to streamline it a bit more, you know, like for instance, I mean, he's not, he's not meeting with every single customer before the job starts. You know, we've had some issues with colors not being finalized before we start. So there's just, there's little falls being dropped that I'm trying to tighten up that, that system a bit better so that again, the jobs can flow a bit smoother and have it be more of my project manager's role as opposed to what I used to do every day for the past 10 years. Yeah. You know, so many of those lessons you learn the hard way through mistakes, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you oh, know, yeah. like yeah. you just, you, you've had your own journey to get to the process that you now follow. And now you've got to pass that off to someone else. And, you know, I think one big question that a lot of people have is how do you do that without having to go through that painful process of mistakes and learning again? So I'm curious, Ryan, 
you're transitioning as well. It sounds like everybody is in some stage of transition at this point. How are you trying to avoid as many mistakes as you can with some of the new people taking on new roles, but still understanding that some of those mistakes, sometimes you just have to learn things the hard way. So we've approached, I've approached this from a couple standpoints. So one thing we've done is we've done Enneagram and disc profiles on everybody, not just leadership. Because a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of your leaders out there, people don't realize are those people that are quiet in the background that nobody knows they have the leadership skills because they never speak up, right? So that helped us a lot in finding those people and pairing our teams together, which made our production manager piece a little bit easier. But, you know, it's hard to find that approach. So, I mean, but so we use the Enneagram test and stuff in a platform called Cloverleaf to look at our whole team from that perspective. And then the other side of it is I'm on my second production manager, actually, because, you know, you we set the expectations. We brought in Builder Trend and other platforms for project management and process flow. And then we had Basecamp and we had all these things that was just making us overhead monsters to try to figure out how do we get these teams, how do we get this production manager and these people to work properly and, and to pass this stuff through. And we realized a lot of it was how are we meeting, right? So now it's having those one-on-one meetings or what we call, you know, a need to need, right? So sitting directly across from the person and talking through and, and, hey, what are, you know, what are you seeing in this position? What are you seeing in this role? How can we better serve you? bilateral communication and assignment of responsibilities. So I just got a notification during this that my project manager assigned me a to-do and builder trend. That, hey, get this project number in the system. We're not starting on it until you do because of the checks and balances there. So it's been an approach, but I'll say that when I finally stepped away from, from that side, the the headaches for the first 60, 90 days were larger. But they were better headaches to have because I was able to teach and I was able to help these people grow in this position. And that's really what I love doing about the whole job is I love seeing other people flourish. It's rewarding, but it's it's hard, too. So I don't know. know, I I may not have answered your question there. No, you did. It sounds like you're approaching it with the right mindset, right? That you've got checks and balances in place so that mistakes don't get too big. But at the same time, it sounds like you mentally understand that there's a learning curve to this and you're willing to be the teacher <laughs> um, if is. someone else, you know, kind of embarks on this journey. Not to assume too much, but most companies that I talk to around our size, you know, you're limited by people and cash flow. So if you want, you know, I think I've heard Nick Slavic talk about that he got to a point that he just went and hired rock stars. Well, you know, we can't afford that rock star yet, but with those Enneagram tests and with those disc profiles and with these other pieces, we realized that we had some rock stars right there around us. Now, how do we grow those rock stars? And so to a point to where now we can attract other rock stars and we get financially to a point where we can go out and hire that $80,000 a year production manager plus bonus schedule, right? Mm-hmm. So that's what we want to get to. But we also want to bring those with us and help them grow at the same time. Lacey and Austin, what are you guys, what's your biggest challenge, do you think, going into 2023? Yeah, I love Ryan's approach. I just want to say that first. Um, yeah. My uh, Personally, my biggest challenge, so similar to what Ryan 
did, we did a team disc. So we give all our leadership team uh, members disc assessments as well, but we actually had uh, our business coach come in and do a team debrief to where we all kind of got to sit and learn about each other's profiles. Um, and through that process, I realized that I'm very much a one task at a time guy. I like things to be systemized and structured. And I realized that's one of my biggest challenges is being production manager and sales manager. It seems like the two departments are always at odds. And I have to instantly shift my mindset multiple times throughout the day to be able to address the issues you know that arise in each department. And that's a big thing. And along with that, just humans, I think Nick Slavic said it, humans are squishy. And uh, <laughs> take that for what you will as far as what it means. But to me, it just means that there's so many variables dealing with human beings and especially multiple human beings. I mean, you know, along with our, tw- our 13 field staff, we also run a pretty robust sub crew of four to six people at any time. And just having that many personalities that you have to deal with and, and change your mindset in order to accommodate their way of thinking to be able to meet you know, in the middle and to resolve conflict. It's difficult for me because again, I'm a very straightforward, like this is the way I'm thinking right now. And I don't want to change my mindset until this is done, but my position demands more of me. You know, I, I have to be versatile in that way. Yeah. And I would say business wise, what our biggest challenge is. I'm more of like that visionary and I have all these plans. And so going into our like strategic planning meeting, I had a different idea of what this next year would bring. Um, my disc actually shows I'm just very people oriented. It's all about people. And so during that with our leadership team, it was very relevant that they were feeling a little burnt out because we had grown so fast in the last couple of years that everybody was just like, we have to just take a break. But our new sales rep is kicking butt to the point that we're sold out for like months. And so that's a big challenge for us. Like teeter tottering between, okay, we have this long list of clients that want their work done and we're booking into the summer for interior and then towards the end of the summer for exterior. And that's not ideal when you know that you could grow and you could hire more people and take care of um, all these jobs quicker, but you've got a whole team that is Feeling the pressure, feeling the pressure. Feeling just of the last couple of years. So it's, know? that's a big challenge for us right now. It's like, well, we've got the work and we need people, but at the same time, like we don't want to lose the great people we have now. It's like, it's just a weird, I don't know. It's weird. It's hard. It's balance, finding balance. Balance, yeah. Yes. Well, and that's common right now. That's not that. I think that's really, you guys hit on a really good point, which is, you know, we've just had the great resignation and there's a lot of turmoil and People, employees are burning out, I feel like, at a higher rate than they have in the past. How do you guys go? Because it sounds like you've identified that in your company. And that's really good because most people don't even pay attention, right? You run them until they're out. And that's been pretty standard, I feel like, in this country. How do you guys go about identifying and then, like you said, taking care of people who are working really hard and they're, they're just getting tired. Well, what we've started doing in the last month or two is doing those individual development plans with each person and actually making them write their three-year vision and their five-year vision, both professionally and personally. And then 
Austin and I will work with them on taking some big rocks out of that and then meet with them monthly and hold them accountable. And even if it's, I want to buy a house, great, let's help you. Here are some resources we know of to help with your, you know, getting your credit better um, and savings and budgeting and, you know, or, hey, I want to be a production manager. Great. Like, let's talk about that. Let's figure out what steps we need to take both for you and for the company to get you there. And then that way they actually have a goal or a vision, I should say, like we have our company vision, but they don't have their own. And then how does their vision, if it does fit into our vision, exactly. just trying to get the two to work coherently yeah. together. And we've seen it's fueled so many people's fire where it's just our, our team, they're, they're working better together. The, the culture's just more vibrant and it's, yeah. it's been really great. It takes a lot of time for Austin and I, but it's so worth it. It's just, it's great. I'm glad that you guys brought that up. Ryan, have you noticed any of this? Any crew members, any employees that you feel like people are getting tired because, you know, definitely. because you guys are looking at growth? How are you guys handling this scenario? Yeah. So that we noticed it in COVID that long short, I mean, in 2020, we saw it and we actually switched in 2021 to a four day work week. So we switched mm-hmm. to four tens. And just not, I mean, notified all of our customers, told everybody. And then on commercial sites, it was a little easier. And then uh, we said his name a few times, but Nick came down and, and talked with us and he fussed at us. And like, why not? It's just a conversation. Going to a four-day work week really made a big difference. One of our new hires that had been with a, one of our competitors for eight years prior came up. He's a month in now and he's like, he comes to work this Monday morning and he's chipper. He's like, dude, I had, I've never painted for 40 hours in a week and had a three-day weekend. I didn't know what to do with myself by Sunday. So that piece is very helpful, I think. But then on the office staff side is when we start getting stressed, I'm a, I'm a people person. And so I think an office constrains people. So I'm like, great, you have a laptop. Go sit in the sunshine. We all have hotspots. We've got phones, right? Here's what we need to get done. Let's as long as it's done, we're good. So just being less just right there all the time, right? Like, so we only have one level 10 meeting every week. So we don't have a bunch of big meetings. I don't do these long, you know, it's, hey, here it is. Let's go through our 90 minute level 10. And then if we need to talk, we're going to come hit a face to face. That face to face may be on a bass boat on the water doing some fishing for an hour <laughs> and then going back to work, right? Like, but literally, I mean, that's, I love I've it. That has helped. That's a, well, just being a human, right? Like not always just being the boss, realizing well, that these people what, are human. I love what AI is. I get long-winded, so I don't want to talk long, but I mean, I made a comment in the chat that that's awesome. They're having those conversations. If mm-hmm. more companies would have those conversations, you you unlock so much potential. You know, we get laughed at by our competitors here in Augusta. Uh, oh, you you can't do that with this painting. You'll, you'll, you'll go bankrupt, blah, blah, blah. But not if you treat people like people. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Bill, how about you? How are you dealing with, are you seeing burnout? How are you dealing with it? Great question. Honestly, like something you guys just mentioned, you know, like treating people like people or like treating them like human beings and not just machine parts, you know, inside of a bigger machine, I think has been a big, big thing that we've, we've worked on over the past couple of years. Uh, Ryan, um, I, I hear you loud and clear with the Nick Slavic thing. Like I, I've taken a lot from him over the years as well. And uh, his whole concept on, you know, hiring decent human beings, you know, we've done the same thing. And 
you know, for me, like I try to keep my, my finger on the pulse and just make sure, um, you know, we try not to work guys more than 40 hours a week. Um, you know, we have overtime available on the weekends, but I had a guy years ago that I think, you know, I think he did like 25 days in a row or something like that. And he worked himself so hard that he got sick. And I just was like, you got to take care of yourself. You know, you need at least one day a week to just recharge your battery. Yeah. Cause burnout's a real thing. You know, it happens to all of us. None of us are, are immune to it. And, and I try to, uh, you know, have a workplace where, where guys can work their 40 hours a week, go home. I'm of the mindset, you know, work to live. Yeah. You know, I got some guys that come in to work a little bit later because they, they take their kids to school and, you know, where they got to leave a little early because they got to pick them up. They co-parent and, and that's part of their job. And, you know, I'm cognizant of that. I mean, I have three kids. I try to be flexible with them and I think they really appreciate it. You know, and I say, I say the same thing, just, you know, as long as things get done, as long as you get your 40 hours in, I don't care if you, you know, you do eight to four thirty, or if you do nine to five thirty, or, you know, if you got to leave a little early this week, you know, you make up for it somewhere else. And I think, again, I hear this a lot. Like my guys just really appreciate my flexibility and understanding as a boss you know, I've had some guys tell me that their old boss is kind of like my way or the highway. And if you can't be here at eight o'clock sharp, uh, you're, you're fired. You know, I think especially in this day and age, you got to be flexible. Like, I'm dealing with it with my kids right now, like daycare, like the, somebody gets sick and then you got to get coverage and then the kid can't go to school for 10 days. And it's like, how are you supposed to hold down a job and, and still be a family man? You know, so Again, I'm, I'm cognizant of that. I try to be very understanding. And so, yeah, we just try to keep our finger on the pulse. My crew chiefs tell me if guys are getting stressed out or if they got things going on at home and, and kind of like Ryan said, maybe pull them aside, maybe, maybe take them to lunch and just see what's going on. What's going on in their life? You know, let's not talk about work. Let's talk about like what's going on with you. Maybe I can offer some advice. Maybe I can help or maybe, maybe I could just listen. And that I think goes a long way too, because you don't know what their family life is like. You don't know if they have a, a sounding board or, you know, somebody who is there for them. I have a couple of guys on my team that, you know, have uh, not so great home lives. And, and so, you know, I feel like it's my role as, as a boss, but also be kind of like a, a father figure to some of these guys and, and try to help them out as best I can. I think, yeah, trying to, really make sure that they don't get burned out and, and that they, you know, they like coming to work and working with all the guys they work with. Man, I don't want to jinx it, but I'm loving this podcast. It's uh, all of these thoughts and insights are so crisp. You mentioned about how you, you know, you work to live and you all sound like you're exemplifying that you're running your businesses. The businesses are not running you. And so I think we want to dive into that concept a bit more here, but I also want to mention, I, I make a lot of comparisons to parenting. And one of the things I learned early on with parenting was how important it was to have friends who had kids older than yours so that they could alert you to what was coming, advise you as to how ridiculous you're being, worrying about all this small stuff. And you really, <laughs> you'll be glad or you'll, you'll miss this when it's gone. And I think the same is true for networking and having people you can chat with in the business world who are running businesses either larger or more evolved or maybe where you'd like to be so that they can give you a heads up as to what's coming. So on the topic of being stressed, 
Bill, let's let's stick with you. How how's your work life balance? You, I mean, it sounds like things are going along well. You've got your plans. It looks like everybody is doing a pretty good job and on, on making progress on those plans. But are you are you maintaining a, a healthy work life balance? Are you achieving your goals without sacrificing your own personal health and what you want personally? I I would say one hundred percent, Andrew. Like my my work life balance, I feel like is. Is one of my strongest attributes. My old company I used to work with, one of their core values was do what you have to do today so that you can do what you want to do tomorrow. Nice. Um, you know, and I, I kind of took that to heart in my twenties when I was working with them. And, you know, now I'm in my, my 40th year on this earth. And, you know, I feel like I've put the pieces in place so that my team runs with not minimal effort, but they get things done without me having to work a hundred hours a week. I've done those weeks, you know, and I've done those, those months, I've done those years where it's just like, and the burnout is crazy. I feel like for me, again, I work so that I can live. I have three little kids. I want to be around for them. My wife works a a full-time job. She's a a school teacher. So, you know, when, when she comes home at four o'clock, four 30, five o'clock, you know, with the kids, she's no longer a teacher. I'm no longer a paint contract owner, you know, we're mom and dad. And, you know, from, I would say five to 8 PM, you know, clients can't get in touch with me. Painters can't get in touch with me. And we just focus on, on the kids. Yeah. It's kind of like you were saying, you know, Andrew about you're going to miss it when it's gone. You know, I mean, yeah, there's, there's no true words. I mean, kids, you know, they grow up so fast and you want to be around for that kind of stuff. And work is always going to be there tomorrow. There's, there's very few things in this industry that I think are emergencies and, you know, like the, the, the oh, the paint didn't get ordered. You know, it'll, we'll figure it out. I'm being dad right now. And my guys respect that. Almost all my guys have kids of their own and they respect and get that Bill's not just the boss and he's not, he's not available 24 seven and my, my beck and call for little questions about this, that, and the other thing, you know, they know that I've got things going on, you know, family stuff. Etc. And I usually say from from seven to five, you got me. You know, whatever you need, I'll answer ASAP and get get back to you. After that, I'm dad. And then uh, you know, maybe I'll do a little work after after eight o'clock. But but generally, no. And I don't want my guys working weekends if we can avoid it. I don't want to work weekends if I can avoid it. So uh, yeah, I put a big emphasis on making sure that we can have a, a really good work life balance. I like it. And Bill, as somebody who's older than 40, I can tell you that you speak with a wisdom greater than a 40 year old. Very impressive. <laughs> Ryan, how I, I picked the brain of, of, of wiser people than me. So that's right. You got to have good friends. There's no question. Yeah. Ryan, how about you? Talk a bit about your work life balance. I'm kind of echoing Bill here, man. I mean, only difference is we've got five kids instead of three, but you know, I mean, they say after three, the number doesn't really matter. Because as a parent of five or three, what have you, you can look at a parent with one or two and like, oh, I remember those days. Yeah. But anyway, so yeah, I mean, we've got, we got five kids. We got one at UGA, go Bulldogs. Yes. But then, yeah, we've got four small front, four smaller kids from 11 to, to three. And we love to travel. Um, I was a workaholic for years. I was an addict and I traded one addiction for another and that, that addiction was work. And so, I have to watch myself because I can, I can, I can dive into that all or nothing mentality with the business. So I go fishing every Thursday morning, every week, rain or shine. My, my nice. seven year old 
this past Thursday was on the boat with me and it was 32 degrees. And we went out there and we fished for four hours. We caught one fish, a bunch of smiles, <laughs> and we came home. But yeah, I mean, so on day, you know, I'm available on those days. Like tomorrow morning, I'm I'm gonna go sit on the boat for four hours with my laptop in my hotspot, and I'm gonna finish the 23 budget to submit to my finance teams to overlook, and then I may fish. I may go back to work. Evening times, same thing. I mean, I'm available till five. I'm the family cook. It's what I. It's one of the things that I do to relieve stress from the day as I come in and cook dinner. So the phone gets put on vibrate. We turn on Bible studies or music or have like a random dance party in the kitchen with the kids while I'm cooking. And it's dinner time. And then we go to bed, read them a bedtime story. And I'm up at four thirty, five o'clock the next morning. And that's when I'm answering emails. And, you know, so like team members and other people laugh because they'll get an email from me at five o'clock in the morning when they haven't even rolled over good yet. So, yeah, it's big, but it, it's a struggle. And so something to, to to preface with and all of that is, you know, it takes being you have to be cognizant, but you also have to be very selfish in a sense of your time. And that's the thing that people don't talk about. Right. Because the businesses that maybe hear my, myself and Bill talking is like, they're like, man, I just want to be like that. Well, we're looking over at other people going, man, if we could just run like that, right? So it's all perspective. And yeah. if they make time for it and, and really value it and set and make that a priority, anybody can do it too. It is hard, right? And it, and it sucks while you do it. But once you do it, it's awesome. My wife well, tells me, you haven't been fishing. You need to go fishing. Your attitude's bad, right? She's a, she's so, a keeper. That's for sure. Yeah. She's also the CFO. So. <laughs> she knows when you can fish. That's right. She can see the data. Lacey and Austin, how about you guys? From listening to Mission Vacation, we know a bit about your work-life balance. But for everybody else, how are you handling handling life? I think great. I mean, if, if you listen to Mission Vacation, you kind of hear like our challenges of having to set boundaries and shut work off at home before our kids were like, mentioning stop talking about work while we're eating dinner. Like it was, it had gotten pretty bad. That was the big, that was the big eye opener. When we first started, we brought us together to just do the business together. And you know, she had her job before I was doing this still, just not quite at this level. And we would come home, we'd have different days. We were able to talk about our days and it really didn't interfere with much, but then working with each other every day, all day, we came home and the conversations got more detailed, more deeper, and our kids sensed the challenges just by the way we were talking about things at the dinner table. And finally, one day, I can't remember if it was our son or our daughter, can you guys stop talking about work? And that was just the eye opener. It was like, wow, what are we doing? Yeah, now it's more natural. I mean, it's just a natural thing. Like, we've got our boundaries in place. And just like Bill and Ryan said, like, we shut that off. I mean, and it's harder because we have... Our shop is on our property. So like we look outside and it's there, works there, but it's, uh, it's actually really easy to just shut it off. We don't even. Yeah. It's taken, it's like a muscle. We've had to exercise it and really practice at it, but we're at a point now where, yeah, we shut it off. I mean, work stops at four o'clock and we just walk inside and, uh, you know, we do the dinner thing, spend time with the kids, that kind of stuff. I love what Ryan said. You know, you have to be cognizant of your time, but also selfish with your time. I'd have to also argue that you have to be a bit unselfish of your time because there's, you also have to give it to the people 
that deserve it the most. And those are the people inside your house. We also, you know, being married couple in a business together, because we also love to travel. So every year we have a family vacation, but then we also have a trip of just Austin and I like getting away from the business and from the mom and dad and like reconnecting on a, on a spouse level. We find that that's really important for us as well. So. Yeah, it wasn't always like this, though. I mean, yeah, if you listen to the last podcast, it was every day, you know, coming in. We'd be on our laptops working until it was time to go to bed, just trying to figure stuff out like that. But if you're in that position, I guess to any listener right now, I mean, like everyone has said, picking the brains of people who are wiser and have been there. If you remember, like, this is temporary, you know, and, and every decision you make, make it in the direction that's going to get you out of that. And you know? planning. I mean, you have to, you have to plan, you know, like Ryan said on Thursdays, he's, he's out there fishing, whether he's fishing or not. Like that's, I'm sure that's on, everybody knows like that's his day. Like Austin and I, we also wake up at four 30 every morning and we work out together. Like that's what we do. That's our time. Bef- that's our time together before the rest of the day is devoted to our employees and then our team. And then after that, the rest of the evening is devoted to our family. Yeah. So you got to plan it, schedule it. Man, I love it. This is uh good Lord. Uh, I got to give credit to our fabulous guests, but I also have to mention, this is what a great editor does. A great editor understands the topics and the trends that are important in an industry and knows who to tap to create. It's not about telling a great story. It's about gathering together people who can tell a great story. And good Lord, we're lucky to have someone like Emily Howard who who does just that. So fabulous content certainly demonstrates how life is absolutely about continuous improvement, lifelong learning, evolving, and I'm sure certainly in the future you will continue to involve, evolve, and, uh, and yeah, we need to surround ourselves with intelligent kindred spirits, as I always say, so we can learn from their experience. You guys are such great ambassadors of the trade. It's inspiring. It's invigorating. Wonderful stuff. So Lacey and Austin Ilsley of AI Painting Plus in Columbia, Missouri. Ryan Gill of Brushstrokes Quality Painting in Augusta, Georgia. And Bill First of First Place Painting in Schwanksville, Pennsylvania. Good Lord, you guys. Rock stars, all of you. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thank you. I'd love to keep in touch with uh, everyone too. I know we got all the social media platforms and all that stuff, but you guys are great. So, man, and I tell you, for listeners, man, the, these guests were even chatting with each other in the in the chat on the Zoom meeting. This is just find yourself somebody who has a passion for what they do, and also has a passion for other people. Who I'm not sure if it was Ryan or Bill, but just who loves loving up on people, man. That's that's what we all need in our lives. This is fabulous. And we hope at APC that we're a bit of that for all of you, that we are kindred spirits, and we're going to connect you with other kindred spirits. So check out all the resources at paintmag.com. And, of course, when you get that email that says, hey, you got to renew your subscription, don't ignore it. Hit yes, smash like. We love you right back. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a fabulous day. 